to order. Um, we all have the agenda. Um, any, any questions on this before we go? No. All right, cool. Um, so really the focus is going to be a lot of discussion around some of the data that was pulled by the team. So, so thank you all for, for doing so. Um, so I guess, Dr. Hearn, I'll just lead, let you take it away with the um, current residential building projects in town? Sure. So um, after your last meeting, you had asked for some additional data to sort of set the context and set the stage for some future information to be presented to the full school committee. Um, so the first bullet point is um, current residential building projects in town. And I am going to um, identify which tab we've got. That's not it. That's not it. Okay. I think that's go. the Excel file. I've got um, two Excel sheets here. So I'm going to share the home sales. No, not the home sales. It says town projects. Okay. So, um, there we go. It was interesting. Is that something that existed on the town side and, and like it was already existing or that was something that was created for the purposes of this subcommittee? We created it for the purposes okay. of this subcommittee. It was um, really helpful and interesting, I think. Denise pulled the information together. Uh, Denise Miller in the office pulled the information together and then I sat with Gus and we went project by project wow. so that I could get a greater understanding of the status yep, yep. and which projects might uh, influence <coughs> which school districts mm -hmm. and to what extent. Mm -hmm. um, some of these projects were considered um, during the original demography study mm -hmm. and um, or they were on the list during the demography study but weren't included in the analysis. Mm -hmm. um, And again, I think what I would share regarding that is that the building projects aren't yielding the enrollment. Um, a lot of the building projects um, that were part of the original demographic study were like Brookview and Pond Street mm -hmm. um, that had uh, 99 units. We have not had a ton of students um, and that project is now done. Um, back when the demography was done, uh, the Dean Ave mm -hmm. apartments had 256 units. Mm -hmm. We have not seen a huge spike um, in student enrollment as a result of that. Um, so, like conversely, there's the apartments going in across the street. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm not expecting yep. um, a big enrollment bump as a result of the apartments across the street. Just based off of what we've seen from apartments those sizes. So yeah. when you say not likely to yield many students, are you think is this like? Like for Dean Ave, how do you know how many kids we have over there? You can look it up. I don't okay. Know, I'm just wondering what many is many like four kids or it's like 27. I don't know. Just for curiosity's sake. I yes. Guess. yes. Like a huge spike, obviously. Well, so for example, um, I would look at the column D because mm -hmm. you'll get a sense of the number of units. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna see if anybody's in the waiting room. I'll keep checking this over the course. Um, so that's 10 one-bedroom units. Yeah. That's going to be maybe zero. Right, yep. right. Um, condos not likely to yield students. 17 units, the majority are three-bedroom and some are two-bedroom. So that may yield a small number, mm -hmm. but not, I wouldn't expect not that to yield a lot. Mm -hmm. um, again, similarly, line four, East Central Street, 41 one-bedroom units, um, not likely. One-bedroom, one right, bedroom. okay. Yeah. Um, similarly, um, line six, mm -hmm. 104 two-bedroom units. Again, we have not typically had a lot of students from apartment buildings. Um, jumping down, um, line 18, um, not permitted yet. Not sure if it's condos or apartments. Again, probably not likely to yield, mm -hmm. yield many. Um, senior living, no students. And then down towards the bottom, uh, lines 25, 26, and 27, there's 11 lots for single-family homes. Mm -hmm. So I think you could expect some students um, to 
uh, potentially enter into those homes. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of where we would probably see more more families move in, um, but with you know those subdivisions are small, right? You know, relatively speaking. Mm -hmm. yep. Um, so again, the demography study really depended upon a turnover of single-family homes. Mm -hmm. uh, he was really emphasizing that not new construction. Our enrollment's right. really not about new construction. Mm -hmm. It really is about turnover of single-family homes. So we gathered that data for you too. Okay. Um, you know, I don't know how frequently this changes, but it's probably something to look at. Maybe like twice a year, right? Mm -hmm. You know, check yeah. in with guests and sit sit down and um, you know, kind of keep a keep a running list and see what projects are done, mm -hmm. what's moved forward. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's so interesting, and we do get questions because you know, like I live near DNAF, so I would drive by that every single day, and every day I'd be like, "We're gonna get millions of children in the schools," <laughs> you know, like be, people sort of like make up their yeah. own beliefs about what they're seeing, and well, so it's and helpful I think to actually see. Sorry. The reality of it. Yeah, I think it's also part of a narrative 20 years ago mm. where the building did yield, there was a lot of building in town, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of new homes, and it did yield um, mm -hmm. a, a sizable a increase right. in a baby boom right. um, of students, and we're seeing the we're seeing the, the tail end of that group of kiddos mm -hmm. uh, kind of departing the high school mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from that time period where, you know, births in town were somewhere around 400 a year. Mm. Now we're at like 230, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe not even. Yeah. And then we have move-ins so that our kindergarten numbers are up around 280, 300. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But our census is in the low 200s. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so it's like half the size. So um, any other questions on that? No, but I think at least the ones that would have potential uh, students are in schools that have space, so it's not like where they're all going to like the Keller, which is at a higher percentage, which which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, yeah, so the Highland Village actually is in the Keller Sullivan area, um, and we'll talk a little bit about space utilization at Keller right now. Um, Parmenter in Remington mm -hmm. uh, and Jefferson in Remington. Um, you know, Parmenter has some room. We have an unexpected decrease there this year. Mm -hmm. um, Jefferson's getting tight, um, especially as we kind of talk about the um, two programs, mm -hmm. uh, two specialized programs there. Um, so Jefferson's getting tight, but there's an overall theme here around um, additional space in the complexes. And um, I'll, we can talk a little bit about that when we get to utilization. Okay. Um, so that's that. Um, in terms, of, I'm just going to check the. Uh, in terms of space utilization, I'm sorry, not space utilization. Is it okay to go out to home sales? Yep, I'm good. Equal. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so there's just a simple sheet in there related to home sales. Mm -hmm. um, I can get you somewhere in my email. I have. Um, account of home sales for last year and we met I think we slightly slightly over over got uh, towards the that's a terrible <laughs> turn of words <laughs> we overbought um, but the uh, the demographic assumption was 275 single-family home sales per year mm -hmm. and I think we were just north of that um, and um, so like we, we met that mm -hmm. target last mm -hmm. year and I think we were we were slightly uh, slightly above that um, so just looked at the um, the sales year to date um, as a comparison, January to April of 21 uh, versus January to April of 22. And uh, we actually have more home sales um, in this four month period of time than we did in the last, than last year by about 10%. Mm -hmm. And um, about 20% more condo sales. Um, so we'll, this is another sort of metric, I think, to keep tabs on. Yeah. Who knows what happens with uh, the market and interest rates and inventory and all that. Um, so that would be mm. kind of an important thing to keep tabs on. But we're tracking where we did last year. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. The next thing, if you're ready, is specialized program space needs. Um, so Paula um, put together uh, kind of a high-level summary of our um, specialized programs, um, which are, you know, for the number of students, going to take up a larger number of spaces based mm -hmm. on the needs of the, the children. Um, and I think we're really fortunate to be able to 
because of our size and because of the space that we have available to us, um, provide students with these specialized programs in our district. I think it um, is uh, great to have the kids stay in their new their community, maybe not their neighborhood school, but their community. And then um, I think the, the the benefit too, just in terms of a learning on inclusion uh, can be just felt and is palpable through all of our schools uh, mm -hmm. up into the high school um, for the inclusion and belonging of students with special needs. Um, and it is a cost saver, and I mentioned that last purposefully, but mm -hmm. it is a cost saver. Miriam has done some, um, has run some of the numbers um, to really quantify um, you know what we're talking about when we talk about um, what we spend in district versus what an out-of-district uh, tuition would cost mm -hmm. and there is um, for each program kind of a return on investment so mm -hmm. it's really a, it's just kind of a win all around um, but the space use um, shouldn't I think there's a couple things in terms of resources that go towards these programs there's a couple things that I want to emphasize one is um, kind of the administrative resource mm -hmm. that these programs require I know um, there are folks in the community who might wonder why we have assistant principals at all of our elementary schools. Um, that's not something that happens in all districts, but with these specialized programs, you absolutely need uh, additional administrative support. And then in terms of other resource uses, um, space use um, is certainly another area. And you know, if we were booming in population, I think we'd struggle mm -hmm. to support these spaces. Um, and so that's listed for you. Um, in the first table, and then Paula also projected forward on the second page um, some additional programs that are going to need space, including Bright and the NEC Partner Classroom, which um, you've added to the FY23 budget. Paula, do you want to add any more on that? No, I think what you said is is accurate. Um, you know, I think our our programs will stay relatively stable in regards to the number of classrooms, with the exception of goals. Um, I anticipate. With the current um, incoming preschoolers, three-year-olds that are coming in over the next year, mm -hmm. um, you know, Strive might grow a little bit more mm -hmm. um, based on some of their profiles as well as NEC, the partner classroom. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but like as as Dr. Hearn mentioned, I mean, not only is it a cost savings for the district, but it is what's great for kids. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think you know. Um, you would hear one negative thing about having these programs in mm -hmm. our schools. I think it's great for staff to learn about students with you know, diversity as well as our um, students and staff and families. So, and I think, you know, when you're when you're looking at traveling to some of the the other programs out of district that are an hour away, these kids would be on a van for an hour mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. both ways. So that's two hours a day on vans. Mm -hmm. um, and that's on a good day, depending on traffic. As we know, the traffic is getting worse and worse um, now that we're coming out of the pandemic. Mm. <clears throat> and not to mention finding appropriate placements. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're struggling for our students who, who we can't meet their needs here in our di mm -hmm. in district programs to find the appropriate placements. So um, it's just all around a, a benefit to the district. And so in terms of one of the things that we always keep an eye on and makes it a little bit unpredictable would be students entering, there's a couple things, students entering preschool and then um, you know, kind of anticipating those needs uh, as students transition from pre-K to kindergarten. And then, um, you know, occasionally we have some movements. Um, well, I was just going to say that we are um, known for our specialized programs. Mm -hmm. We've been told that that people come to Prince Franklin for us, but even we had some families moved from California, believe it or not, okay. for our specialized programs. Um, realtors can't continue to brag about our programs here in Franklin. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, so it, it, those move-ins are unpredictable, and, um, but, um, and we had quite a few this actually, we had probably all four different families who moved in who needed specialized programs, so, um, but again, I wouldn't give it up for anything. <laughs> no, no. So I think um, I think we're really fortunate. And then, um, as enrollment decreases at the middle school, some of these programs are expanding into mm -hmm. there. And then, as enrollment decreases at the high school, mm -hmm. that will create a little bit of space to uh, to uh, accommodate uh, growing programs. Um, should it should it extend uh, into the high school? Not all of them do. Uh, ideas ideas doesn't it does not point, no, but. They might, um, you know, goals probably will eventually. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I will say, 
one program that is not on here is ECDC. Mm -hmm. Now you know, you saw yeah. it. Yeah. We are at capacity yeah. at ECDC. Yeah. We cannot add another classroom. Mm -hmm. We don't have a physical space for another classroom. So that's something we need to keep in mind. Uh, um, you know, think, keep thinking about what we will do. If, mm -hmm. Yes, we are. Bursting over there. Yes, it's uh, and I mean they're doing great work with just the space that they do have. So um, yeah, definitely something to be considered. Mm -hmm. One possibility, if I can float it out there, mm -hmm. as you have more room at your high school, yes. um, might might be to consider having a preschool program housed at the high school. That the early childhood classes could then the students there could then participate directly on site. Mm -hmm. Um, as kind of a, a learning area for the older students who may uh, have an interest or be, mm -hmm. be enrolled in early childhood classrooms. Um, so that could be a, a possibility in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. and they do that in some districts. Mm -hmm. We did it in Shrewsbury. Yep, and right. we would love, I mean, Miss Kelty is all, all <laughs> we're ready. <laughs> we're ready to roll. If we had the space, we would be ready to roll. Right? So. Well, it's like the whole landscape of preschools really changed over these last couple of years. Like, because these kids now who are turning three now have like, been raised in a pandemic mm -hmm. and so they're all the needs are much more complicated yes, for are. any any kid yes so um, yes. yeah I'm not surprised that ACDC is mm -hmm. yeah bursting yeah, yeah. Um, all right that's an unrelated question um, the neck you said Paula about some of the kiddos from ECDC transitioning to K would they be going to Parmenter or Kennedy like are those different they would go profiles? To Parmenter. So okay. Parmenter has K to 3 right now. Oh I see. So it's by age not by profile. I Correct. See. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And these are the current number of students These are not current next for this year. school year. Okay. Yes. So some Parmenter kids might be going so we to We have Kennedy. a couple of Parmenter students that will be transitioning to Kennedy next year and a couple Kennedy students that will be transitioning to the Annie Sullivan. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and just one other, like, um, what's the difference between a sensory room and a motor room? So motor room, I consider that's where, like, PT and OT will happen. Their actual okay. pull-out sessions will gotcha, happen. Gotcha. And then some kids will go in there for for a break. So it's a, not just program-specific. It's, like, for the school. The whole entire school. Where gotcha, it's a gotcha. sensory room, um, it, it's more for kids to de-escalate gotcha. if, if they need a quiet, quiet space. But different than the calm space. Right, it just yes. different different tools are in there. Gotcha. So gotcha, and like different expectations as far as how many kids at a time Correct. or and amount of supervision. Yes. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. So the motor room. So like, just for sake of discussion. Sure. So if we got rid of, for example, goals from Jefferson, we yep. have three extra classrooms, two extra comm spaces, and one extra sensory room. But if we got rid of Neck at Parmenter, we'd have one extra classroom, but the motor room would still exist because it's being used for lots of kids. Yes, and the sensory room at, at Goals would stay because that is used by other kids. Okay, well. gotcha, gotcha. So it's not that program I mean. specific. Okay, it, the sensory rooms typically aren't, or motor rooms aren't, typically not always. Yeah, specific. I wonder if we can just distinguish like on the chart. You know what I mean? Because because now we know that because we just talked through it, sure, but like maybe we could clarify. say like shared or I can do that absolutely something just so that next time we look at it um, sure. we remember because we don't want people to say like oh you know these these reach kids are really hogging all these rooms in the school you know because it's not necessarily because that can be used for lots of other mm -hmm. students also and would still exist without the programs mm -hmm. okay. So yeah. just to clarify, so from a visual standpoint, or at least for me thinking back, when we went to Oak Street, mm -hmm. the blue room, that was a calm room. That was a calm room. Okay, so sensory is, we sensory have not seen Sensory room was that. the next door, they had the trampoline okay, and yep. the swing. Okay. Yeah. And so, I guess, and then, and then for, uh, okay, so Oak Street doesn't say that they have a, a sensory room. So, so motor, okay, oh. so I, maybe okay. I, yeah, okay. uh, I'll be more specific. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 different schools call them call it different gotcha, things, okay. right, right, right. depending, you know, so it's like, yeah. Okay, thank you. Yes. So it's, it was great to like see the, the mm -hmm. site now to put it all together. It's like, okay, yep, this, this, this all worked. Anything else on this? So I guess for the additional classroom additions in Jefferson, um, Remington, and the high school, um, do we know like what the new numbers would be for next year? Uh, I can, what I'll do is I'll do, how about I do another chart with projected for next year? Okay, would that yeah. be helpful? Yep, that would be perfect. Okay. Great, thank you. On that, I think I'm good. 
Okay, I guess one more question, yep. which I don't, this isn't space necessarily, but for the um, Franklin High School, so Reach and Strive and the fifth year transition program. So does Strive or do any of these guys have like a, like a kitchen type space? Yes, like, so okay. Strive, Strive has two, so the Strive has an upper kitchen and, a, and two different floors, yes. Okay. Yes, they both have, we have two kitchen spaces for Strive. So is that in within the classroom? Yes, it's within the classroom. Okay, let's put that too, just because I okay. think that's important. Yep. Because we're proud to have that. You know, that's a mm -hmm. good thing to have. Yeah, yeah. So we'll call it the kitchen. Um, and when we're talking about yeah. space, like it does enter into the equation, like we're not just going to swap out a math classroom for us. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. it has to be a specific a time. It's a specialized room. Yeah. Yeah. And if we are talking, okay. I also feel like, all right, just another thing, which isn't on this chart. Do you want to put some clarifiers in? Yeah, but this is different. So I guess for like kindergarten, it might be nice for us to know if there's sinks and toilets in kindergarten and ECDC, I'm guessing there are because it's ECDC. Yep. But, um, you know, just mm -hmm. like if we're just looking at space needs, at some point we're going to want to, we might want to move things. And we might want to I know. I think that's like, important to know. These have baby toilets yeah. and these have, yeah. you know, high school Toilets and these have sinks in the rooms and these don't and make it. Sorry, is there a sinks around? Do you know? Uh, I haven't seen office? him, but I know he could be in his office. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, let me think about how to capture that yeah. Yeah. Um, by school or something like how many classrooms are specific for kindergarten. Yeah, because it really just be the littles like that we'd care about sinks and toilets, probably, or specialized programs. All right, I think that, I guess that is too. I guess that is something that we would want on this. Yeah. If there's a if there's sinks or toilets or like a designated bathroom. Um, cuz if they have that, we want to keep that for them and if they don't, we might want to advocate for that. Mm -hmm. Okay. But isn't that part of some of their accreditation as well that they have to have sinks and toilets as well, so. Mm -hmm. okay. And I think what we can do is oh, rather than have it be <laughs> So we can do that. We can do that. Okay. All right. Thank you. I know it's sort of a a pain in the neck thing and not like really urgent at this point, but I feel like we're gonna we're gonna need it yeah. at some point. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna want to know, for example, like your kindergarten capacity mm -hmm. at each building, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. K can't really be swapped out with fourth grade. K, K can right. all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so then, Al, are you ready? I can talk about updated space utilization. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank okay. you. So there's a chart in the folder um, that what I did was I just did some quick arithmetic related to um, related to functional capacity enrollment and utilization and then compared that to the 2020 enrollment and the 2020 utilization um, you know so clearly Keller um, is uh, the largest of the elementary schools uh, having increased um, to 553 um, in the combination of Davis Thayer and Keller um, the anticipated number, I think, was 546 or 547, and it was anticipated to decrease mm -hmm. over time. Davis Thayer's population was predicted to increase a little bit. Keller's was predicted to decrease, I think, to a greater extent, which was going to ultimately decrease mm -hmm. uh, over over a series of years. Um, I think we're seeing a sizable number of movements into the Keller district mm -hmm. um, in terms of the home sales. So if you straight up look at utilization, um, we're talking about 103%, um, and I think they're feeling it. They have borrowed some space from Annie Sullivan, mm -hmm. so there's some office space and conference room space where um, where um, they're using that at, in the Annie Sullivan building. Um, Kennedy uh, has decreased in enrollment a little bit, and his utilization has um, fallen to 77%. Uh, Oak is up a little bit with 74% utilization. Parmenter's down, um, so um, 
we have 302 students there, which is good because they were mm -hmm. starting to feel pretty squeezed and pretty mm -hmm. tight. Mm -hmm. um, and they're now at 79% utilization. And Jefferson is down a little bit, although not as much as predicted, um, and is at 78% utilization. The functional capacity was determined using um, the MSBA standards. There are no new standards. Uh, I don't know if they will come out with new standards, but we are using space differently than we mm -hmm. did pre-pandemic. There's mm -hmm. more counseling spaces. There's more need for small group instructional spaces. So when the architects, you know, previously uh, advocated for you know efficiency of space at 85 to 95 percent, mm -hmm. um, that might be like a little conservative and it might be even more conservative now post-pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, at the time I remember McKibben said something like 80 percent, um, like you don't want to close a school mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you're, you know, 80 percent is um, is kind of a better target. But again, that was pre-pandemic mm -hmm. um, and so that's something to be, to be thinking about. Um, the middle school um, is uh, where we're seeing the decrease in population uh, to the greatest degree right now. Um, and so Annie Sullivan um, dropping from 53% utilization to 46. Although I would point out two of our classrooms and um, like an office space type area are rented out to BICO. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not sure, they're not part of this calculation mm -hmm. um, of utilization. Uh, and we're happy to have the, the BICO team there. Um, there's a really good relationship. Should that go in the specialized program chart, maybe? Like in a little asterisk on the bottom asterisk. or something? It could be an asterisk on that chart, sure. Yeah. I think it's something to really be mindful of. Um, and, um, you know, to that end, uh, collaboratives occasionally are looking to rent additional spaces. Mm -hmm. um, and with the whole like Davis there analysis and all of that, I wasn't gonna you know sort of offer anything up and, and jump on that, but it is a it's something for you to know about mm -hmm. um, that that they periodically are looking for for classroom spaces. Um, although right now might not be the best time, um, mm -hmm. just in terms of um, I don't think their their programs are are growing that much uh, post pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, you know they're they're kind of stable. And also for us, like if we're thinking of redistricting in yeah. the near yeah. future, we don't want to say, sure, yeah, we have all this and space available. Actually, yeah, just yeah. for a year. Yeah. They want consistency. They want consistency. On their side, yeah. yeah. And then um, Horace Mann um, is seeing one of the more sizable decreases in enrollment, um, and it's at 51% utilization on paper. Um, I think you go into the school and it doesn't necessarily feel that way, again, because of the specialized program space needs. Mm -hmm. um, and then Remington as well, uh, decreasing. So I ran the numbers um, in a couple of different um, in a couple of different ways. If we were to take our entire capacity of our elementary schools um, by MSBA standards, we could accommodate just over 2,300. We have 1,900 students uh, K to five right now, um, and so that would be an 83% utilization. So that kind of gives you a feel if you were to kind of redistrict. Mm -hmm. um, K to five, just within the, the elementaries. Um, as as the architect pointed out, when the facilities analysis was done, though, um, again, the middle schools is where you're seeing um, the sizable decrease. Mm -hmm. And so, kind of the message that I've been sharing with the principals at this point, particularly at Keller, but also at Jefferson, um, and to a lesser extent at Hort, at Oak, but a little bit at Oak as well, um, is that is the idea of like not thinking of the complex as strictly 50-50. Yep. Mm -hmm. And um, and I actually had a conversation with Mike D'Angelo um, in, in advance of this meeting, just sort of casually, that I guess the Keller Sullivan complex used to be that way, where um, where Keller had some additional space in Annie Sullivan um, back in the day. So we have a little bit of history of that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why you see some office space um, over at Annie Sullivan from Keller. Um, Oak and Horace Mann have a built bigger complex just in general. Mm -hmm. It's just a bigger space, and they have a really nice hallway separating, you know, kind of connecting the two. Mm -hmm. And so they've been able to be very flexible year over year about mm -hmm. what who's going to use some of those classrooms. And so Oak has has, uh, has taken some of those. And we've had this discussion at Remington and Jefferson too, um, you know, particularly with the two the two programs. Um, so. 
Um, so I, I ran those numbers too, so you could see what the utilization would be across the complex, and that's a, that's a number that um, Castle Blues had also put out in that uh, in that original report. Um, we don't have a nice, neat report related to the high school, um, but what I'll share anecdotally is that our enrollment at the high school right now is what the building was built for. Mm -hmm. It was built for about 1,650. Mm -hmm. um, five years ago, we were towards 1,800 students. Um, that has been a slower decline. It's going to pick up speed with a with a larger decrease at the high school coming. Um, but sixteen fifty was what it was built for. Um, but again, I think that people's those are big people <laughs> over there. Mm, yeah, some of them are. And um, people's sensitivities around space have changed mm. in terms of how. Even just personal space. Personal space. Yeah. So we could technically be meeting in the superintendent's conference room right, right now, right. but we're less comfortable meeting in the superintendent's conference mm -hmm, room, mm -hmm. um, and people are just using and, 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 and looking for, for additional space. Mm -hmm. um, but that's where we are at the high school at the moment, and then as you know, preschool is, um, is, at, is, is pretty much at its capacity. Mm -hmm. I think the, the complex numbers at the bottom are so helpful because Keller and Sullivan at 70% feels much more comfortable than Keller at 103 yeah. and Annie Sullivan at 46. And I think yeah. that was a big thing with the, the whole DT yeah. Um, yeah. conversations was that, well, we're, we're going to, you know, Keller's going to be overcrowded and there's going to be classrooms of 30 kids. And, and it was like this whole sort of like skewed perception because of that number. Yeah. But then yeah. it's like understanding that that. Keller Sullivan is one building, and as you said, certain offices, certain classrooms, like certain, they're able to sort of bleed into each other and, and share. Um, and 70% feels much more comfortable just yes. as far as yeah. right yeah. now, even though it's yeah. different as far as like admin time, mm -hmm. um, which we've talked about with the new assistant principal. Um, yeah. But as far as space goes, 70% feels like looks better yes. on paper. Yeah, and so and it makes sense. You know, there was, um, you know, sort of a quick transition there, and um, maybe over the next school year and school year after that, there's like a, there's like an adjustment mm -hmm, and a resettling, mm -hmm. um, and then you may also decide to do redistricting mm -hmm. in, in mm -hmm. two years or something like that, and so that could balance things out a little bit as well. Right. I'll be curious to see what happens with, um, I'll, I'll follow, I'll check it, check it online. Um, I'll be curious to see what happens with the kindergarten and pre-K in the future. Mm -hmm. So right now our numbers in kindergarten are actually a little low, um, but I'll be curious to see with preschool. Mm -hmm. And I think that may be reflective of people holding their students out of school for mm -hmm. a bit last year mm -hmm. and the year prior. Yep. Um, so you, I think you may have like a little bit of a dip in uh, kindergarten, mm -hmm. um, but then but then like have first to adjust mm -hmm. and have to spike. And I'm, I would predict a spike in another year or two. Right. I feel like it's not worthwhile really following that as like a K cohort right now. Like that's yeah. gonna that's gonna move through as we're able to follow the other. K yeah. I think you'll just have cohorts. to be adjusting. Yeah. Um, adjusting staffing, you know, mm -hmm. to kind of follow them along. But I think it's probably destined to be a small group, mm -hmm. small class. Mm -hmm. But it might not be. You could end up with some move-ins. You know, between now and September, there's always a bunch. Mm -hmm. um, but the market's not. Yeah, it's not really yielding. It's not promising yeah. right now yeah. with the interest rates going up. Mm -hmm. so. Okay. Any other questions about that? No. Okay. Um, and then the last thing you had asked, I'm not sure if this met your expectations um, from the last meeting around what you were looking for with respect to the district map, but Miriam put together a series of instructions um, on how to look at the map layers, mm -hmm. um, which is available on the uh, GIS page of the town. Do you want to sure. talk about it or walk through it at all? Sure. So uh, if you if you go to the Access GIS um, website um, from the town's website, um, then you on the right hand side, or uh, sorry, on the left hand side, there's a um, blue box labeled layers. If you click on that box, it gives you a different a variety of different options to look at mm -hmm. um, the map. You can see zoning maps, you can see wetlands, you can see water districts. So if you click on school districts, it will overlay different colors mm -hmm. for each of the districts. Um, if you further hit the plus sign, 
you can just see the middle school districts as a whole versus just the elementaries. Um, so, uh, so that uh, gives you uh, an outline as to where the district borders are Sorry. by school. Um, and if you, you can either zoom in with your mouse, um, with your trackball rolling, <laughs> what do you call it anyway? Um, and, and it will give you the actual street lines uh, as to where those lines are drawn. Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, you can use the tools on the right-hand side to um, move around as well. And if you just you know click and drag, you can move the map to recenter it. Uh, and this we worked um, quite closely with um, um, Kate and DB, uh, DBW in mapping, mm -hmm. uh, who does this for us. Okay. It's fabulous. She's great. Yeah, this is helpful just to see it and um, kind of how the folks are, are broken up. Um, it's just interesting to see how some folks are crossing a school district line to go to different schools. So I think it's, I'm just wondering, like, what's the, the busing impact for those students and, like, how early are they are having to, to get on the bus to, to get to school at the same time as their peers? Um, I can see that, that it, it's, it's, it doesn't look, it doesn't make sense, but mm -hmm. I, mean, I understand why we're in the space that we're at, but long term it doesn't make sense to keep it that way. Mm -hmm. And McKibben yeah. was like, like just the, you know, like the split for Ken, yeah. like he's like, yeah. what is yeah. the, you know, yeah. it makes sense yeah. once you know about the roads and blah, 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 but he was like, I've never seen something like this. But you can't get this. But he looked, I know, right, you can't, you Go through the Oak, the Oak District to get there. Okay. But I feel like this, honestly, I feel like this is one of the most compelling pieces of redistricting. Like, besides the numbers not being really close to equal across elementary schools particularly, like, the, it just doesn't, mm -hmm. there's, you know, there's easier ways, or there, there must be easier ways. I guess the, the one thing this doesn't tell us is like what's the population in each area and that would be helpful. Like if there's certain places where there's no students and there's certain places where there's tons of students, it doesn't show us that. Um, and that's what um, like a consultant would yeah, kind of help okay. you do. They would mm -hmm. drill down using the GIS like plot out addresses and plot something. out addresses yeah. and they would look and help you with their expertise in that area, draw some new boundaries gotcha. in the districts. Gotcha, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Oh, so we don't have to do that ourselves. Oh, God, no. That's what <laughs> No. Give me a marker. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You thought we were going to do that ourselves? No, I thought maybe we gather some information, but no. then just try to, I don't know, take a ride on a school bus. There are specialized or? consultants that do this. They had done yeah. like a day. And typically mm -hmm. what we they do is they, the would, they would recommend oh, yeah. that you take a year to do it and mm -hmm. then a year to plan it. Before ever, okay, so a year to plan it, which means like talking with community members. Yeah, so you would people. kind of spend okay. next year, 22, 23, planning it, working with the consultant, talking mm -hmm. to community members, mm -hmm. and then um, taking a year uh, in 23, 24 to plan all of the logistics mm -hmm. of yep, all yep. of that movement. And you could potentially do it stepwise too. Yeah, so you could potentially right. like. Uh, rethink kindergarten, for yeah, example, right, uh, right. in that first year and do it a little bit more stepwise. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, potentially, too, like just throwing idea, like an idea out on the table, like you could move your fifth grade early if the middle schools have more room. Yep, yep. Right? And you could mm -hmm. potentially do it in two steps, mm -hmm. but you really would look to implement probably two years out for 24-25. Gotcha. We're going to be breaking hearts. And then you could potentially do it stepwise, you know, but at some point, right. you also just want to just do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, you'd be reading, taking the temperature of the community right. and, and talking that through. Right. Okay. Um, so that's that. Um, is there any other questions or data that you... That's what we prepared for you based on the last meeting. Yeah. No, Thank this you. was good. Yeah. It was very informative. Um, and then... I just put this on here. Um, it was talked about at the town council last week, um, and I had mentioned it at school committee, actually, and I think I had put this on maybe before I had um, put it in the school committee's um, superintendent's report. 
um, just we're working with um, to understand with MSBA a little bit more about their timeline, expectations, and process related to any uh, removal of DT as a school mm -hmm. under the school purview and uh, turning it over to the town. Um, from their perspective, um, they a want to make sure that they don't have money invested in the school, mm -hmm. and they don't. They don't have any money invested in Davis there. But other schools, as you might imagine, MSBA helped to build mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or participated in a renovation. Mm -hmm. And so, if the school is going to be sold or leased, they have a financial stake in that building mm -hmm. um, in some regard. So they're. They're wanting to make sure that that financial stake, uh, and th this is not what they've told me, this is like me reading between the lines, um, that their financial stake is, um, that, that they're, that they have a say in that because they had put some money up, um, mm -hmm. you know, at some at some point down the, down the road. Um, I think the other piece too is that in the anticipation of any future building project, they want to make sure that the school couldn't have been used as a solution to a future problem. Mm -hmm and that you're not closing a school to then only propose a new building when the school could have served that purpose. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so um, we're just really, and they've been a little hard to get a hold of, they're very busy. Mm -hmm. um, we're just really trying to make sure that we're crossing our T's and dotting our I's and meeting all of their expectations. Um, so it kind of took me by surprise um, a little bit um, because the message kind of all along has been it's a local decision, it's a local mm -hmm. decision, mm -hmm. it's a local decision, yep. but then you dig in a little bit deeper and you mm -hmm. find out that there are some ramifications and I would hate to put uh, you and the town of Franklin in a bad spot. So mm -hmm. that's sort of where we are and I just wanted to kind of be fully like communicative with the Space Needs Subcommittee about that. Okay. Um, I guess, is there any timing on when they'd be able to get back to us with the final, like, yep, we've, we've crossed our T's, dotted our I's, and we're good to go, and there are no ramifications, or? Um, so <coughs> we're looking to understand what next steps would be and getting some clarification, so I'd be a little hesitant. There's a six-month notification period. Um, I think there's a little bit of a question about have we met it, have we not met it, um, it based start? on some information. Mm -hmm. So when does that clock start? Mm -hmm. And um, and then you know what are what are some next steps? We're we're looking to understand those. Um, so I'll keep you informed and, and give you some updates uh, along those lines. Um, it's it's a little tricky <laughs> to understand <laughs> the process. I will say that they have been very very communicative with superintendents about building projects, like the process for building a building a building. But this is something that in five years. Um, in five years as a superintendent and then 11 years in central office, there really has been not, there's not as much information about. So I wish I had more. Specific uh, opportunity. Yeah. 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 If my, uh, my interview with the town council chair, who, silly from an MSBA relationship perspective, he's been part of multiple building committees, mm -hmm. he concurs and adds just a little bit more color. But yeah, there's <laughs> clarification coming and clearly. The due diligence which is being done prevents yeah, us yeah. from falling into a spot where all of a sudden we can't do something. Mm -hmm. yep. So, yep. yeah. Right, right. We want to be extra careful yep. now so we don't Take shoot ourselves time. in the foot. Take the yeah. time. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you performing. Yeah. I appreciate you performing your due diligence and yeah. making sure that there's no financial ramifications to the citizens of Franklin. So we're doing this the right way. I just wanted to make sure that that got yeah, across yeah. that you're doing Thank a you. great job. Thank you. Second. Yeah. And the council, if they have any pressures in terms of working on their timeline, the ball's in their court to stop planning. Mm -hmm. They just can't make any final decision until after you've made your decision, but they can start planning now. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. there's no pressure. Do we, we, don't, we don't report to them, right? No, you're an independent. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure I had that right. Just yeah. good to confirm. Yeah. It's a, a reminder people need from time to time. Let's yeah. Yeah. So, um, is there anything else about that? No, I thought this was well okay. well shared. So thank you. We do have a meeting scheduled for May nineteenth because mm -hmm. um, I think we were going to try to update the full school committee in on June. some pieces of yeah. information yep. in June. Um, is there anything? 
we can update Wait, the... May 19th? Yeah, that's what I have, yeah. yeah. Okay, what time yeah, is that? Yeah, we, we talked about this. 4.30, I think? The last yeah. time? Yeah. So if we need to reschedule and look for something else... This is the second meeting I haven't had on my calendar, yeah. and it's both... We literally did meetings. it. With, like, Lucas on we were Zoom that day. We did it. I must have been. I'm yeah. sorry. It's on my calendar. I can't. <laughs> it's, it's I have something at five. I'm sorry. So we'll look to reschedule uh, that. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. So we'll just work offline and just okay. get sorry, something yeah. so that works. So are we just? We're not. Are we bringing a recommendation to the committee? Are we just providing them an update? Yeah, pretty much. It would just be a, a packaging all this up for them. But uh, what are we packaging up? So pretty much just the <coughs> our findings. All the so data. yeah, pretty okay. much the data that we we've, we've pulled together and just then summarize it, make it look nice. Yeah, exactly. Um, so at least they have a the Cliff Notes version of it, okay. and then they can get a sense of why where we're at, and then I, I don't at that point recommendations to for what's next, and I'm assuming that would be the to be probably begin like getting an uh, outside contractor to look at things that we that are outside of our scope. Yeah. So that's Probably. what that's where my questions lie. So in the McKibben report, like that whole process where like let's just keep our blinders on, focus on DT, but he's also recommending, oh, you need a master facilities plan. Mm -hmm. Oh, we might want to talk about one middle school, we might want to talk about Kennedy. Mm -hmm. There's like a lot of really big decisions mm -hmm. that in his report he sort of framed it as being part of the master facility plan that we would in the future at some point create. So is that something that this subcommittee should be looking to create a master facilities plan? Like, is that still an appropriate I do think way that's to, an appropriate way to go? I feel like it'd be yeah. good to sort of frame our work in yeah. a way as far yeah. as like part of our plan is working with a consultant. Part of our yes. plan mm -hmm. is looking at redistricting, looking yes. at building needs, looking, you know. Yeah, I think you want to engage with a consultant on the, on the master facilities plan. You all have mm -hmm. the common information. There was a major turnover in the school committee in November. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you had a lot of stuff to work through with budget and superintendent search. And right so now, um, masks, <laughs> COVID. Yep, it's still here. Yeah, plenty of stuff. Yeah. Um, so now you all have the same, you know, background information on sort of the status of okay. the facilities as of June, and then you can go into next year. And I think a master facilities plan would be what you would want to take a look at, probably to include redistricting, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then um, the potential like eye towards do we need to do another building project right um knowing that kennedy in particular mm -hmm. parmenter had a renovation in the 80s that's mm -hmm. not well captured in this report mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but um kennedy is kind of an older school um and you know 70 it was built in the 50s kennedy um 64 less less 64 yeah, so it was, you know, it's 60 years old. By mm -hmm. that point, it would be, you know, maybe 10 years from now, 70 years old. So it is, uh, it's also like from an educational adequacy standpoint. 42% mm -hmm. the lowest of all of them. It's a really strange layout. Yeah, mm -hmm. like so, for current needs. Yeah. yeah, for current needs. So, um, so that may be part of the plan um, that you talk about. Um, there was an idea in here around really rethinking the middle levels. That right. Maybe, that's a huge policy yeah. right. question and policy <laughs> right. decision and that educational decision. It's a big one. Yes. You know, something uh, to potentially think about. Um, yeah, on the table. And so part of the master facilities plan would be having those conversations. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I, I do want to let everybody in here know that um, Craig from Castle Booze, um reached out at one point and said, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I know that the Dr. Hearn is, you know, relocating or something and I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but I'd be happy to do this <laughs> consultation. I was like, okay, I'll let the subcommittee know. But I have, you know, we have, we have, um, we, we're, we can get bids mm -hmm. from different places and look, I don't think that we're like indebted to him. You know, he did his job and he finished the report. And if we want to work with people, we can work with anybody. Is that a nice way to say it? I also think um, <laughs> I think a big um, a big player to involve at the right time would be Mike D'Angelo too. Yeah. Um, Mike yeah. D'Angelo has an incredible amount of experience mm -hmm. uh, in this type of work. Not mm -hmm. maybe so much with redistricting, but. Um, Redistricting would certainly have an impact on the facilities department, right? Uh, but any building project would be, you know, right in Mike's wheelhouse. He's done some tremendous work in the district for that. Great. Yeah. Good. So, 
I think, are we going to look to reschedule before the June meeting? Let's look to see if we before can. Before the yeah. June fourteenth. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. And um, if there is there any additional data, we'll make some tweaks to the um, specialized programs chart um, mm -hmm. to add some additional uh, information there. There's nothing that I can really think about. I think you're kind of up to date with um, you know the maintenance needs mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. the different facilities, population. So how is this going to look when we present it to the full committee? Is that going to be like just a cover letter or is it going to be a presentation with slides? Are, are you going to do it, Sarah, or are you going to do it, Al? Maybe Al and I can talk okay. offline and mm -hmm. figure that out. Okay, okay. gotcha. Yeah. When did you say? We launch June 6th, too. Do you have that is that on your calendar? I don't know. Let's see. Yeah, that's I'm on usually your... really good with my calendar, guys. I don't know what happened. Yes, we have one okay. for June six. Yes, yeah. we do. Oh, that works. Yeah, perfect. So okay. we may not need the May one then. And we may we won't need to reschedule, I guess, probably. Yeah, because I think when we initially talked about it, the the June sixth one was just a talk, finalize what we were going to put together yeah. and make sure that we we had everything all set. Yeah. All right, June 6th at 6. All right, cool. Um, so it's 6.53. Um, can I get a, a good motion to adjourn? So moved. Second. Second. All right, we are adjourned. All right, thanks, Al. Yep. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.